Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 156, so Spider-Man No Way Home finally comes out next week, and I'm more excited just for it to be out, so we can kind of move on to something else. Like, I feel like yeah. all film speculation over the past year has been about No Way Home and, like, nothing else. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a Spider-Man movie, so obviously I'm going to be excited. I'm just like, I'm just ready for it to be out so we can know definitively what we were right about, what we were wrong about. Uh, everyone will come back and go, oh, wow, you were right. Happy Hogan did die. And <laughs> I'm, I'm more confident about that than ever. Uh, but yeah. we're expecting No Way Home to be a big epic finale to this original trilogy, so we're expecting a big, huge final fight. Probably with Toby and Andrew and some other Spider-Man is my guess. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today is best final fights in movies. It could be either one-on-one fights, epic battles. Uh, so long as they're the final fight in a movie, they are fair game. It's just movies. TV can be a whole separate thing for a later date. Uh, but before we get into that, Josh, how are you doing today? <sighs> I'm so filled with anxiety. Okay, so... Y'all won't wouldn't know this, but we just tried to we just started recording a bit ago, and then I spilled. Luckily, in the intro, spilled all of my most of my coffee, all like on my laptop and all over my dad's desk, and uh, I'm just like so stressed out right now, hoping that like modern engineering keeps out coffee. I don't know, uh, but I'm all right. Like other than that, I'm chilling. Uh, we finished decorating the Christmas tree last night. We like. It was super cold this morning, like 35, 38, one of those. And, but like, I'm chilling, dude. I got my bowl Literally. of oatmeal. <laughs> I mean, luckily, <laughs> nothing, nothing's on me, <laughs> which is a, but like, oh man, I'm so stressed out. <laughs> I'm so stressed out right now. So I have I have been busy with work, so I haven't been watching a ton of stuff, but I've, Continuing my Spider-Man rewatch, I just watched Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think, yeah. last night. How I, was it? I've said Emma Stone was the MVP of the first Amazing Spider-Man. Like, her Gwen Stacy is so good. Tom, uh, Andrew Garfield is the MVP for Amazing Spider-Man 2. Anything mm-hmm. Spider-Man related is perfect. Like, we've talked before, the intro scene where he's stopping the rhino is, like, pitch-perfect Spider-Man mm. of... You can call me Webhead, you can call me Spidey, just don't call me late for dinner. Uh, pantsing Rhino while singing his own Spider-Man theme, running late to his own graduation. Like, that's perfect. Uh, or, like, when he's fighting Electro at the end. I hate this song, even if you're like most people and hate the dubstep Electro stuff. Uh, Andrew is just killing it in Amazing Spider-Man 2. There's just way too much other stuff. Uh, and as I was re-watching it, like, the first half an hour, I'm like, this is... Not nearly as bad as I remember. And then, like, a certain point, like, all the storylines are happening going, oh, yeah. Yeah. I forget yeah. how dense this movie is. Uh, another reason I think I like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit almost the most, except for the Homecoming one, uh, and we talked about before, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit is almost perfect. Just make the eyes move, and it's a perfect Spider-Man suit. I think the reason I like that one so much is... It's a little loose. Like, when he falls from the mm-hmm. sky, you can see the ripples in his um, uniform. And it's not, like, skin tight like the, the Holland or the Maguire one is. Like, there's, this is clearly fabric and made by a person. It's got that tactile feel to it. You're like, ah, that 
that looks like Spider-Man. It bunches up in certain places when he's bending his arms or legs. Like, that, that is not, like, skin tight. That looks like Spider-Man. I still have a lot of issues with Goblin. I think they're yeah. just like, well, we gotta kill Gwen at some point. And in the comics, Goblin kills her. So, we gotta do Goblin. Also, rewatching it now, Dane DeHaan is so much worse than I remember. Yeah. He's I, awful as Goblin. Like, or just, I, he's awful as, um, as Harry. Like, I don't, it's just, he's not like a likable guy. He's not, I don't get any sense of like friendship between him and Andrew at all. So it was just like, plus it, like, I think the big thing that counts against him and it might not be his fault in some ways. So story wise, he kind of comes out of nowhere and just kind of shows up again. And it was like, all right, I guess we're supposed to like this guy. I, I don't understand. Okay. And here's where I'm going to make some people mad. Eddie Brock in Spider-Man three is better set up than Dane DeHaan's Goblin. Yes, and is better absolutely. executed. Like, that Venom is still terrible, but in terms of why he is what he is and overall narrative purpose, it's not great, but it's still better than Dan DeHaan's Goblin. And Josh and I have talked about before, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, when Gwen's leaving, he makes this big, I love you on the bridge. Um, what should have happened is he goes up to the bridge, kisses Gwen, and he's just like, I'm going to go wherever you go. And off in the distance, we see Electro messing with the power grid. So Spider-Man goes off except Gwen follows behind with him. What should have happened is he leaves Gwen on the bridge saying, okay, I know you will be safe here. You're on top of a bridge. No one's going to come to you. Then Peter by himself beats Electro. Once he beats Electro, he comes back to the bridge to find that Gwen is not there. And that's when Goblin comes in to swoop because she was unattended. That would have made a lot more sense then have yeah. Goblin kill her on the bridge like she does in the comics. And here's where my heart gets all cold and jaded and it's wonderful. He should have held her dead body on top of the bridge. And while he's crying, we slowly do a wide shot to the bridge. And the I love you has faded away into the wind. Just yeah. what should yeah. have happened. And, like, and that's what I think that like. I think I've said before about Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's definitely a good movie somewhere in that. Mm -hmm. That Like, so much overcomplicated stuff. Um, it's very interesting to skip over Norman completely. I kind of liked that. It does bring, like... I don't like the gobbler certain... disease, though. Yeah, I don't like how they did it, but I liked... Harry being the first goblin, I think it does add something to the whole green go goblin dynamic. Um, but, and like, there's certain things they do with Electro, like, while I'm not a big fan of the big blue, um, like him going in and out of power circuits is super, like, power stock is super interesting to me and how that would work and like how, what other abilities they can bring out with him. And just, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. Like, <laughs> Paul Giamatti as Rhino would have been so good. And then you just stuck him in an oversized, weird, uh, like, robo suit. Like, it, even that scene is pretty good, except for him in that suit. So, whatever, dude. Like, scene I, that I hated the first time I watched it, but I, I get what they're going for, is uh, at the end when Rhino shows up, you know, the trailer bait uh, stuff. And yeah. the little kid with the worst mom in the world just crawls under the guardrail. And he's like, I'm gonna fight Rhino. Like, I hated that scene when I first saw it in theaters. And to a certain extent, that scene still 
is completely illogical and doesn't really work. But I get what the movie's trying to go for of Spider-Man inspires other people. Yes. Um, and I, I like that. And even when Spider-Man has been knocked down, he still is quipping of just like, on behalf of the citizens of New York and all real rhinos across the world, we ask you to cease. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and then they trailer bait you by just having that final shot of him about to fight Rhino, cut to black, and you're going... Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sure. It does. Yeah. Like, well, like I said, there's a there's a good movie in there somewhere, and there's a lot of really really good ideas and concepts that Sony, like, you have to give them credit for. But there's just a, an overwhelming amount of stuff that just like <sighs> is frustrating. Um, yeah. What you watching? I have been really busy this week as well. Uh, we watched Hawkeye episode three, um, which is a breath of fresh air for me. I personally, I'm not going to like drop any spoilers or anything like that, but I personally, what I think I said it on the pod was not really like down with Hawkeye after the first two episodes. Like it was cool and I liked the characters, but it wasn't something that I felt like I could spend a lot of time with. And then episode three happens. Um, and yeah, no, I'm locked in now. Let's go. <laughs> like i don't know where we're going but i'm down with it i think uh and i felt this way as soon as the episode was done i was like i think this episode episode three of hawkeye was my favorite episode of any marvel show to date so far i won't say it's my favorite really? episode of disney plus programming because that's probably still uh episode four of mandalorian or luke skywalker showing up in mandalorian but in terms of like I don't think there was an episode of Loki or Captain uh, Falcon Winter Soldier uh, or WandaVision that I liked more than this episode. I thought it's this a, episode yeah. was paced perfectly. Uh, you've got some fun banter at the beginning. A phenomenal chase scene with that one long take. Um, but then you get some really good character backstory with Echo that I thought was really fascinating and some very fun teases for stuff that could be coming down the pipe very soon. Um, but to me, actually, the scene that really stuck out in my head more than the chase scene or Echo's origin or anything else was when Hawkeye's son calls him and he doesn't know who's oh, calling dude. him. And so Kate immediately starts writing on a piece of paper. I'm just like, okay. I will like Kate for life. Like you're, you're just there to help. And it's those little like helping moments. Th and he's like, thank you. Like he's appreciative. They're, they're a good team. I, it's the little touches to the show. That's really, really making me like it a lot, especially yeah. in episode three. My heart absolutely broke when he was like, it's good to hear your voice, buddy. And I was like, Oh, don't do that to me already. I'm not ready for that. Oh, so, also, yeah. Without dipping into spoilers, that one trick arrow, I almost jumped out of my seat so excited. Like, the, the one special arrow on the bridge. Yeah. I was going, I was like, oh, that's cool. Have you that's had new. that this entire time? What are you – come on. It's, like, a nice, it's a nice reversal of that iconic yeah. Ant-Man and Hawkeye panel. I, li I like it a lot. Um I like that we're finally getting into the trick arrows and like seeing some really, really cool stuff, like stuff that makes sense, proving DC that you can make it like an archer, like really entertaining and really cool to watch. And like, I'm actually a pretty viable hero. I mean, yeah, I don't know. 
let's Good get stuff. Into, let's get into some news because we've got a lot of comic book news this week. Yeah, it's crazy. So, kind of out of nowhere, we got a whole bunch of Spider-Man adjacent stuff. But leading the pack was the first look at Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which, if I remember correctly, is the first like official name confirmation for what this movie was called. Mm-hmm. I thought we were just kind of going with Into the Spider-Verse. Two, but no, it's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part oh, one, 1, which I thought was very interesting. And also, because I'm an idiot, the first time I watched the teaser, I didn't stay till the very, very end. So it's just like, oh, Spider-Man Across the Universe. And then a few minutes later on social media, everyone's just like, Across the Universe Part 1. I'm going, wait, did it say Part 1? Tr- oh, yeah, yeah, it did. I'm just uh, impatient, apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm a little mixed on this trailer. I think, by and large, I really, really liked it, but it was kind of weird going from when Gwen shows up and them having that fun banter to when he goes into the different universes. I get what they're going for of teasing big things, but it was kind of weird to see this almost completely done scene with Miles and Gwen to, mm, let's just call it pre-rendered stuff with yeah. Spider-Man 2099. Like, visually in the colors, and it looks fantastic, but it it clearly wasn't done yet. But I appreciate that they're they're dropping some hints. Uh, in weird, like, continuity nitpick, though, um, he's surprised that Gwen shows up, but in the end of Into the Spider-Verse, we see that she shows up, and he's smiling and ready to go. It's, it's a, not the same continuity, but whatever. Um, I'm excited for this. The trailer didn't show a whole lot, but that's because this movie's like a year away, and I'm sure they still have plenty of animation to go. I, I'm very hyped for this movie. It's not the top of my list, but I love the first one so much, and I'm excited to see what they do. And also, it wasn't until like the second or third time I watched this trailer that I'm going, oh yeah, he never did go to anybody else's worlds. So we get that great shot of him like super, super close up going through some of the tunnels, which is almost shot for shot when Peter B. Parker shows up of like that close up of his face. It's all kind of stretched out. It's like, oh, that's a nice callback because he hasn't traveled the multiverse yet. Um, Josh, what did you think of this trailer? And also, who do you hope shows up in Across the Spider-Verse? Yeah, it's so like... I guess I didn't take the backgrounds as like not rendered. I guess I took it as like a different art style for that world, which is fine, I guess. Uh, but it's odd, but cool to see Spider-Man 20, 2099 absolutely jacked out of his mind. <laughs> like that is a big boy. And I, I think the, what does he bench? 2099, <laughs> 2000, 99 pounds with one arm. <laughs> He's like Spider Man 2099 is the guy that sits in the, sits in the in the gym and goes, "Well, yeah, well, your PR is my warm up." Like that's him all the time. Um, I like the design so far. I I agree that the the um the the continuity was a little off. I'm curious if that's not the first yeah. time that they meet in the movie. I think so too because um, Gwen's hair is longer. Yeah, so I'm I'm wondering if they're gonna have like a little bit of a scene beforehand, maybe because it does seem like there is a pain in his eyes almost. Also, first of all, I forgot to say this: them aging up Miles is peak, very good. Like, wow, it's like okay, cool, cool, cool. I like progression. That's fun. Um, as far as 
like do the trailer do anything more for me like like you said like it just you know the movie's still a year away and i'm okay with them not going all sony on this and and revealing too much too early um i'm down like sure this got my this wet wetted the taste buds especially the part one had me very interesting interested like that's game changing too um who do i hope shows up (sighs) okay Spider Ham, Spider Ham, and Spider Man Noir would be fantastic. I love it, um, but I'm okay if they don't. I won't be hurt. Um, it'd be interesting if they bring in other characters that aren't necessarily Spider Man from those universes. Uh, having a legit like Frog Thor show would be hilarious, just because that's Spider Spider Ham's universe technically especially if miles is going to these universes i think that's that's a that opens up the possibilities a lot more seating uh peter peter b parker again i think would be and like if we go visit him and he's like gotten his life back together and he's back with mary jane you know he's back on top of his game again would be like just perfect i would love that so much i go um, I'm surprised you didn't say like Ben Riley Spider Man. Um, <sighs> Josh would get a little too excited about that, I think. Dude, like a classic hoodie Scarlet Spider would be like, oh, so good. But like, I'm okay with them having like the quote unquote the big like the big um, Spider Man like like because Miles I would consider like one of the. Spider-Man and like so uh, same thing with Spider-Man 2099 and Scarlet Spider as well I think are like the big ones it'd be interesting if I just have this thought it'd be interesting if they like somehow interweaved the clone saga with multiverse the multiverse I don't know how you'd pull that off but it'd be you could I literally just want Ben Ben, ben to show up. Like, I'm okay with that. So, but yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting nonetheless. Now, uh, I know it wouldn't make a lot of sense for this universe just because this character doesn't have a lot of connection to Miles. But in some universes, Spider-Man is Uncle Ben. It's Ben Parker's Spider-Man. So maybe Ooh. a Ben Parker Spider-Man, or better yet, tailor it to Miles. And in one universe. Uncle Aaron is Spider-Man, and Miles Ooh. was the Prowler. Ooh, say less, my dude. I'm down. Okay, okay. I almost said uh, Drake Bell's Spider-Man showing up, but uh, that's not gonna. Well, I mean, it's voice acting. He can do it from home. Um, isn't he going to jail? Jail? No, he's under house arrest. I thought. Um, okay. <laughs> here's Ooh. here's my. There's absolutely no chance of this happening. Hairbrained idea. What if this is Spider-Man Across the Universe Part 1 and the first movie of Tom Holland's trilogy is Across the Universe Part 2? Interesting. Actually, yeah. But then you'd... I don't know how you'd make that work, that transition from animated to live action. That'd be interesting. Because I don't know who you'd have play Miles. Yeah, Shamik Moore is a little too old to be a live action, Miles. Just, 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 just a well. I mean, he isn't. Is he in college in this one, or is he? 
because he says dorm room, but I know he goes to like a special school where they have dorm rooms. So I don't know if. Yeah, I thought he went to like a private high school or something like that. Yeah, so I, I don't know if they have like dorm rooms there or, if, or he's in college. He does age up, so it's definitely been oh, some time. Okay, he's 26. So he's actually Tom Holland's age, more or less. That could uh, totally work. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. That's a, that is something to throw out in the universe. <laughs> Into the multiverse. <laughs> oh, man. So... I, I'm the, like I'm a big fan of the first one, so I'm I'm down for whatever this movie throws at us. So this next news topic, I feel like is kind of, for lack of a better term, damage control, and I think the timing is very, very, very convenient. Um, mm-hmm. and that is someone just randomly. I don't know why they would ask this randomly. Is asked Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal during uh, press tours for No Way Home. They're just like, uh, if we ever saw Daredevil in the MCU, who would you cast for that? And Kevin Feige flat out said, if and when and where we use Daredevil again in the M- in the MCU, not again because he hasn't been in the MCU. Uh, if we use Daredevil, it'll be Charlie Cox. Hmm, I- interesting that you you say this less than. Two weeks before the next Spider-Man shows up when a character might really need a lawyer. And those rumors have been around since his identity got exposed and far from home. Like, I've never been one of the people that believe that Charlie Cox's Daredevil would be in Spider-Man. But this isn't a case of where there's smoke, there's fire. This is, holy crap, the house is on fire and we're sending smoke signals with its burning embers. (laughs) Like, this to me is like... We're not waving the white flag violently. This is like gently. This is this is a big, huge red banner going. Daredevil with Charlie Cox is back in the MCU, probably in Spider Man. But pay no attention to that. There's other things that happen in this movie. Like, c- yeah. come on, man. This is it. The timing was a little too convenient, and it just well, especially with some stuff that might be happening in Hawkeye. Yeah, I, I think mm. it's. So, okay, my big thing here is this, all right? So we've confirmed that, like, basically him saying that confirms that the Netflix shows are not, like, I think they've kind of confirmed they're it a little bit I'd already. Ma- I'd say they're multiverse. You could technically say that now, right? But does that mean that this is a variant or what? I'd say like, variant, you, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of questions that... that I think are gonna I won't say have the potential to over overshadow like this casting, but like at the same time, like especially if and you know what I'm gonna say it. Especially if Vincent shows up as Kingpin in Hawkeye, like that that raises a lot of questions to me. Because does that mean John Burkenthal's gonna Punisher's gonna be out there? Like you know what I mean? Like, so do you just bring Carly, uh, Charlie, and and Vincent back, and then just you know they bring say no. everyone back but Iron Fist? See, in, I know, but like, if you do that, I think that raises a bigger eyebrow than if you just bring back Charlie and Vince. I don't know. I'm so like, I let me say this. I don't know who else would play Daredevil. I'm not Ben Affleck. That- I'm not that big of a fan of Charlie Cox's Daredevil. I like the show. Well, I like the first one and a half seasons. Um, 
but and the suit doesn't do anything for me and fine whatever different suit but him as daredevil is not something that i was like clamoring more for um vincent uh vincent as coming back as kingpin absolutely that's there's a viciousness that i think needs to happen with with kingpin that he brings to that role but i i I don't know, man. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. It's one of those, like, I don't know what to do with this information because there's the implications are kind of important. Um, I don't know, man. I, I never really hopped on the Netflix train. I didn't really watch any of the shows, but this is one of those castings that I know a lot of people are high on. And Daredevil as a character, I think, is too important not to be in the MCU. And it was, it was like everything was locked behind the paywall that is Netflix because at the time that the shows on Netflix were released, the head of that department and the head of the movie department did not get along. They were not the same person. Now it's all under one unified banner, and more or less, I think all the contracts have expired with Netflix, which is why all the shows were canceled and why we'll see Daredevil first in the MCU probably because mm-hmm. that was the first one to expire. So... I could see this happening. I'm with you. If he shows up in the MCU, can we please get a new suit? Because I, I like his first like ninja look. I thought that was a pretty decent look. But the actual final suit, I was kind of underwhelmed with. And the MCU lately has really put even more of a concerted effort to have comic book accuracy and awesome looking suits. Like, we know Hawkeye's getting the purple at some point, And that makes me very excited because please um so maybe we get a little more comic accurate daredevil josh will hate it but i don't care cowards bring back the yellow and maroon daredevil suit i dig that suit a lot actually oh see i think what they're what the the big thing they won't do is they won't bring back the batons see that you need those though you the batons are necessary for daredevil I don't think they will, the, at least to the extent that they're used in the comics. Like, he has them in, in the show a little bit, but not, like, where he can, like, they also have wire attached to them, and he can swing from building to building with that. Like, not to that extent. I don't think they'll ever do that. Even though, that's so cool! Ugh, but whatever. I don't know. We're in the age of comic book movies where you genuinely can never say never to anything. We're getting a flash ring for crying out loud next year <laughs> okay. we we had a big yeah. huge scale of endgame we're having michael keaton's batman back we really cannot say no to anything except a man of steel sequel that's the only thing we can <laughs> get in life <laughs> oh where's a jar we need a jar for that um, yeah but like but i could like, see with kevin yeah. feige's approach i'm not saying the netflix shows were bad but we can get a better and more cohesive approach to things like i know it started off strong with daredevil but it was pretty steady decline after that luke cage was pretty decent but the defenders was okay iron fist was a train wreck and i wouldn't be surprised if some of them get merged together like team up iron fist and luke cage to do a heroes for hire show or just a show on disney plus called hell's kitchen don't even call it daredevil just call it hell's kitchen um I think uh, yeah. I think it's funny that the general consensus that I've seen online is people just going, "Yeah, bring back all the Netflix actors." 
except Iron Fist. You can you can recast that one. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one and only guy that's left high and dry. But that's what happens, Finn Jones, when you don't feel like actually trying on your show and don't feel like trying on any of the stunt works yeah. and basically having your team do it all for you. It's tough. That's tough, dude. Like, yeah, because, I mean, Luke Cage, I, that's a perfect casting if I've ever seen one. Like, that's pretty good. Um, I do to be interesting is if Punisher's already around and it's still John and he shows up in Hawkeye. Because right now, if there's a show that he could show up on, Hawkeye would definitely be one of, one of them. No, but, I think here's here's my theory that I'm coming up with now. I have no basis for it. <laughs> I see Punisher showing up on Moon Knight. <gasps> Say less. Oh my gosh, that is not something I realized I needed, and now it totally is. Oh my gosh. Have that exchange of just like, hey, how are the voices in your head go- doing? Oh, they're fine. How's your dead family doing? Oh, they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah, okay, I'm, okay, 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 you, you got me now. Okay, I'm, I'm a planner. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about Charlie Cox's coming back as daredevil but the general consensus is they should recast iron fist they should especially recast iron fist because i need iron fist to show up in shang chi 2 which is now officially happening and in other news water is wet like this movie is one of the most successful movies of 2021 which unfortunately is not a very high bar as like half of the nation still isn't going to the theaters again but this was a no duh shang chi was incredibly well received I loved it. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's one of my favorite origin movies in the MCU. Um, Simu Liu just absolutely crushed it. And as soon as it was done, I was like, yep, I'm going to need a whole lot more of these. But as soon as the movie was done, I'm just going, so the sequel has to be Shang-Chi and the Iron Fist, right? It has like, to be, yeah. Come on. like Or it could be Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Iron Fist, but that sounds too long and too much like the original title. No, I'm okay with that. But Shang-Chi and the Iron Fist, that name sounds just like those old martial arts movies that takes mm-hmm. that Shang-Chi takes such heavy inspiration from. It just makes so much sense. And now that we're starting to get more of the Netflix characters into the MCU, I just need Iron Fist and I need him done right. Because imagine Shang-Chi with his outfit with the traditional Iron Fist green and yellow bandana. And you just give them like a wrestling match. You give them a solid... 15 to 20 minutes to just go just put the camera in a wide shot and watch them do hand-to-hand combat for 15 to 20 minutes don't even need any cuts just two men beating the crap out of each other take all of my money please absolutely yeah because like and this is just i think a a uh symptom of me not knowing a lot about shang chi other than he had adventures with the x-men <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> wait hold on <laughs> um no the x-men yeah. i think the x-men are about to become the mcu's mephisto was that was that an x-men reference was that an x-men yeah. no yeah. no <laughs> yes we're gonna be yes, the fans absolutely. that cried x-men <laughs> okay but like it's only a matter of time so uh especially with uh no way home right around the corner i think that'll be very telling as to who shows up and when um because it, it is a conversation about not not if, when, at this point when it comes to X-Men. And just, like, I'm imagining, in my head, I'm because I've read the, the, one of the comics I have, uh, is 
that adventure with Shang-Chi has with Wolverine. And that's totally just seeing like, I don't know if I can see it with Hugh Jackman. No, let's, for the sake of it, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine with, with Shang-Chi and Aquafina right there. Like having that, just that alone sounds like a great time. Like, I don't know how you would not have fun with that. Yeah. I'm also excited because for this movie, they said that they will bring, they'll be bringing back the director of the first movie nice. who I thought absolutely crushed it. Um, yeah. I just really like the approach. I was talking to one of my coworkers who finally watched Shang-Chi yesterday. He's a listener to the podcast and he was like, this is so good. And I was trying to figure out and he helped me break it down of like, why do I like Shang-Chi so much as a character? And it's because he doesn't have an ego, like a lot of the other MCU mm-hmm. characters, especially like an Iron Man, but doesn't have like that kind of, as much as I love Captain America, he's not as relatable because he's uber human basically where yeah, Shang is, he's... A regular dude, basically, but he his approach to things is very normal and human, willingness to learn. I'm happy with these sequels coming because there's going to be multiple of crossover potential. Top of my list, I need him to meet Spider-Man just because of that, mm, like, yes. the younger demographic or him and Kate Bishop, I think, could be a lot of fun together as younger demographic because supposedly in Shang-Chi, he's supposed to be in his early 20s and I'm going... I don't know if that checks out because Simu is like 30 or 31. I'm going, mm, I, I can buy you his early 30s, maybe. Um, there's a lot of crossover potential I can see with this. Him meeting Ant-Man and Ant-Man just being like, so you can punch really hard? That's really cool, man. Like, I, I can shrink. And having <laughs> having some fun with that, I just imagine the crossover potential that he can have, or even Nora, uh, Aquafina's character, having her meet with, like, as much as I don't like her that much, Darcy from the Thor movies. I think Nora and Darcy would be a very dangerous combination of just, like, so what's your story? I hit a god with my truck. What's your story? I shot a dragon with an arrow. Cool, 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 cool. cool like, cool, cool. <laughs> there's so many... <laughs> Well, like, especially, like, with Darcy after WandaVision. I will say, yeah, I do like her after WandaVision. After WandaVision, Darcy is one of my favorite side characters. Um, And her meeting Aquafina's character would be a peak. It would be so good. Um, Even, like, even Shang-Chi, like, interacting with Charlie Cox's uh, Daredevil would be cool. I'd be down with that. Are you kidding me? Dude, a scene with Daredevil and Shang-Chi with no rings... Head to head, like the raid, just yes. a solid minute or two of them feeling each other out and just boom. Oh, there's so many. Or I don't know, him interacting with Moon Knight would be fantastic. Like him. Oh, let's go. Yeah. So I, I completely agree. Like the A, it was just like it was a no dur to give him to give this a single uh, single a sequel. A singles uh, career singles career um but also like the like you said the crossover potential is huge just it's a no dirt like absolutely bring it on to like you don't even have to tell me what's happening i'm there yeah the, you just have the original cast coming back and the original director coming back and i'm there in a heartbeat the only thing that will make me go okay i'm just even that more on board for this movie is before this movie's done or shang chi's time in the mcu is done i need jackie chan to show up in a shang chi movie Ooh. 
because so much of Jackie's style is mm-hmm. emulated in Shang-Chi. And I, oh, it, I just need it. I just need it so much. There's got to be a, like a character for him to play. Like I, I, I can't imagine that there's not like a Kung Fu master that Jackie couldn't play in the oh. MCUs. Oh, that it, was that was a. No, I, I don't idea. have anybody. It just would have been great. Oh. Dude, so good. So now we've covered enough Marvel news for today. Let's switch over to the pond that is DC and a show that I'm absolutely getting more and more stoked for every time we see some new stuff for it is John Cena and James Gunn's Peacemaker, a spin-off show of the character debuting first in The Suicide Squad. They showed a trailer, I think, at DC Fandom. Is that right, Josh? Um, Mm -hmm. But so they have a new trailer for the show debuting next month. And I loved every second of this trailer. There's so many good lines in this, but there's a certain pivot point that I'm going, okay, this isn't just going to be Deadpool type with John Cena. Like, there's a lot of great jokes in this of anything with Vigilante, who is essentially going to be Peacemaker's sidekick for this. I laughed out loud like I killed a guy, but they broke me out of prison. I'm a federal worker. Oh, post office? <laughs> no, why would they break me out of prison to deliver mail? I don't know. It's the first thing that came to my head. Or like, or, like, or the, uh, the uh, why would you lie to, to Vigilante and I? We're the smartest guys. You think we wouldn't figure out? Hey, which one's the eagle? Which one's the eagle? <laughs> okay, me. <laughs> okay, maybe 50% of us. But, but hey, 50% is still... A, a D an F an F. I didn't do well in school. School's for idiots. <laughs> school's for dorks. But as the trailer progresses, you just get more of that like, um, rude and crude humor that you just think that's going to be all the show is. And then one of the characters is just like, when I see him, he always kind of looks a little sad. And then we cut to him doing what looks like he's going to be doing a hit on someone. But he's mm-hmm. just like, uh, sir, you want me to you want me to shoot everyone? There's kids there. He's like shoot everyone and so from that point on you kind of get this sense of like peacemaker is a very broken character and i'm kind of really excited to see that side of it too it's not just fart jokes and dick jokes it's peacemaker as a character wants to be better but he comes from such a broken place which casting the t-1000 as his father just chef's kiss like that is perfect they, i'm a shower not a grower dad he's like the i think this trailer this trailer showed anything it's that he's ba- peacemaker is basically going to be a cross between deadpool and punisher and i'm okay with that so James Gunn has also recently teased after the trailer came out that some people are just like, so you got other Suicide Squad or Peacemaker spinoffs in the works? He's just like, I do. I just can't talk about them. I have had this suspicion that Peacemaker is like, it's going to be a good show, but it'll be the entry point for much larger things and James Gunn's involvement in the DCEU. I think after Guardians 3, he's done with Marvel, I think, and going over to DC because of how much freedom and autonomy he had with The Suicide Squad, which is still probably my favorite movie of the year. It was so good. I've got nothing to base this off of, but I think the Peacemaker show will be used to introduce actual big-name characters that we know from DC. Some 
there were some rumors a while back that they might be introducing Bane in Peacemaker. I'm going, I don't know if I buy that. There was other another rumor that I'm going, I do believe that, is what if Peacemaker sets the stage for Green Arrow? I can totally see that, yeah. And Green Arrow the, eventually uh, crosses over with Black Canary, who is already introduced in Birds of Prey. Yeah. I'm, I can totally see that. I... The, the thought I had about the end of this trailer was definitely, so I wonder if he's still going to be, quote-unquote, codenamed Peacemaker at, by the end of the movie, by the end of the show. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being someone like, I don't know, Guardian, um, which would be, to me, very, very interesting. And, like, especially if you're going to have a character go from mentally a place of, I'll do anything for peace, to somewhere different, I think doing a complete character change is not like the worst idea at all. Um, I can kind of see Bane. I would love to see green arrow uh, just because it is, does feel like a, like a Spider-Man level threat of like, uh, they're not like world enders, but they could really mess up a city kind of issues. Um, but hmm, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that could, could happen. I don't know how to feel about it. I'm trying to think of, like, some mid-level, obscure comic book characters that James Gunn could use because, you know, that's his bread and butter is using the obscure characters. He's already used Polka Dot Man. Mm-hmm. Use Professor Pig. I don't care. Actually, Professor Pig would be terrifying for a Matt Reeves Batman movie, people. Like, basically or picture if Hannibal Lecter wore a pig for a face. Or even, like, using this as a way to start introducing rogues galleries like so doing like like I, the thought i had was like trickster or um uh Ooh. mr freeze or uh you know like doing this as a like a back alley way to kind of give uh introductions to characters so that when they do show up you should, can just go right at it mark hamill's trickster comes back from the joker se- from Terrified. the from the flash oh. series dude but even like like having someone like John Cena as Peacemaker try to interact with Mad Hatter would be absolutely hilarious to me, and I'm still I'm super on board for it. Also, I want to give all the props in the world. John Cena really seems to be like putting his A game out there acting wise. I think. Oh the yeah. Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad was his best performance to date. It wasn't just funny. Without giving too many spoilers away, when he has the existential moment when this is like do i do this or do i do this and the fight that ensues because of it that was genuinely heart-wrenching just because one it involved a character that i hated the first time around it ended up loving the second time around and then going oh there's emotional complexity to this toilet bowl head man but it's not a (laughs) toilet bowl it's a beacon of justice oh (laughs) I think this show yeah. has a lot of interesting possibilities. More than anything, it's an original HBO Max show, and those there's not nearly enough of those, unfortunately. Which and the more and more this is, and I think this is going in this direction anyway. But the more and more HBO Max seems to be the home for like a underground extent, quote unquote, extended universe of DC shows, and I'm really on board for that. And DC is also trying to expand its underground reach to the movies, trying to cross over with that eventually as well, because we're getting a Penguin spinoff off of the Matt mm-hmm. Reeves upcoming The Batman movie with Colin, Phil, 
Colin Farrell reprising his role as Oswald Cobblepot. Now, I think this is awesome, but at the same time, when I saw this announcement, I'm going, we had a Penguin origin story. It was called <laughs> Gotham, and not enough people watched it. <laughs> That's why it got canceled after five seasons, and they had to rush the ending. I think this is awesome. We obviously have not seen the Batman yet. It doesn't come out for a while yet. It doesn't come out until March. But Josh and I both love Colin Farrell, and it's still amazing to us that this is Colin Farrell doesn't look like him at all um so supposedly this show will show the rise of oswald cobblepot and the crime basically the un the crime underbelly of gotham so to speak and his rise to power while also further expanding out the world of gotham for future movies which i think is really smart synergy if you do it correctly and i think they will because matt reeves is still going to be attached to this not as director, I don't think, but as an executive producer. Now, yeah. this will also work in tandem with the GCPD show that we've got coming out with Jeffrey Wright back as Gordon. So we're going to have two separate shows tying into the movies. Um, whatever gets us to Robin faster. That's all I really care about. Um, <laughs> but like Josh said with the Peacemaker thing, this could also be a good chance to uh, introduce and expand the universe of maybe some characters that Matt Reeves doesn't have plans for for a movie, but you could still use as mid-level villains of like a Professor Pig or, I don't know, the Flamingo. I don't care. Um, or if my theory is correct and the Court of Owls is somehow connected to the Batman movie, you could have the court actually be the one that runs Gotham and the court be Cobblepot's bosses, so to speak. And season one is his rise to power. Then we get the Batman, where Batman dismantles the Court of Owls. And then season two could be Oswald going, okay, Gotham is now free from control. It can be mine now. And the power struggle that can ensue from that, maybe a turf war with some other Batman yeah. villains. I think this is a really good idea. Oh, I agree. I think what will be really interesting, too, is uh, to me... I mean, this is a long way off, but it would be interesting if the first hints of Red Hood is comes from this show. Like, late, not obviously not in this first season, but later on, like, it's like, hey, there's this guy in a red that's got a red helmet that's been killing, like, stopping our ship. But that would have blah, to blah, be blah, Joker. Like, that that could be really really interesting. There's a you could uh, a timeline wise, yes. That but that's why I was like, if you're gonna do uh like like the red hood um it'd have to be way farther along in this time which i'm totally okay with if they don't do that but that's yeah you know um yeah opportunity to kind of explore the underbelly and rogues gallery um i would be really really excited if they use this as a setup to for you know the iceberg lounge and like all these like iconic things that end up being like big things in gotham it just there's so much opportunity here i think both with this show and the gcpd show wow i i said that right the first time i'm pretty proud of myself there um <laughs> uh that it, it'd be hard to 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 like just not acknowledge these shows at all i understand if people are like really batmaned out i i completely understand but like there's some cool opportunities here for storytelling and i think 
writing off the DC DC shows because they're just because they're happen to be attached to Batman is really like kind of cheating yourself there. <laughs> now that you've said it, I need the Iceberg Lounge to show up at some point, and then hey. Dude. Hey, maybe do it like Arkham City, where you've got the Iceberg Lounge, but underneath the Iceberg Lounge is Solomon Grundy. <gasps> Solomon Grundy would be perfect for Peacemaker, of a really, really obscure Ooh. character that James Gunn could use. Yeah. I, I would be down. Even, like, Swamp Thing randomly showing up would be cool. Solomon I Grundy would... versus Swamp Thing. Oh, that's... Yes, absolutely. Like, get out... <laughs> if Swamp Thing doesn't yell, get out of my swamp, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want a part of it. <laughs> What's that donkey doing here? Don't ask about it. <laughs> Get out of my swamp. Um, honestly, having swamp thing and not having Shrek re references is like just a missed opportunity. And that's totally something I, th I can see James Gunn doing. But yeah, like, and I need like a traditional like iceberg lounge too, like a giant iceberg in the center of the, of the lounge, like an actual like, Kind of like from the games, how they did that that iceberg lounge, like or it just... from Batman Beyond. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. One. Just just to um, rustle his jimmies. Like, dude, and honestly, I don't think I'm far off by saying I think iceberg lounge is already going to be a thing in the Matt Reeves Batman. I wouldn't be surprised if that shows up, just because Cobblepot not doesn't seem to be like at his peak here, but he's like he's a pretty big businessman of so of sorts in in gotham by the time batman comes to power so uh, comes to power comes becomes a thing so but you know we'll see as always this episode is sponsored by t public where we have multiple shirt designs now so if you want to rep uncharted media merch um wear the logo wear stuff with josh and i in animated form just support the show go check us out on t public um but yeah, let's talk about movie fights, because that's mm -hmm. the scenes that you're going to go back and watch the most often. Um, so again, these fights could be one-on-one -on -one fights, large epic scales, so long as they're the final fight in a specific movie. Um, I, I don't know why, but I had a hard time with this list, actually, of like, just going, yeah, that was okay. Um... Or, like, feeling like I'm missing some. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some that you've mentioned. I'd be like, oh, I'm dumb. I should have remembered that one. Um, where should we start with this, though, Josh? Do we want to do, like, large-scale, small-scale fights? I, uh, so what's really, really odd is um, I have trouble with, like, one-on-ones. As far as not doing like super obscure like kung fu movies, um, but like I only have like two or three. Hold on, I mean no, I've got a few, quite a few one-on-one um, -on -one battles, but like some of the best ones are like ensemble fights because it is a culminate. A final fight should be the culmination of what the movie is all about, right? Yes. So like, I'll lead with this. So the final cop fight in. Uh, in v for vendetta where with the iconic lines like i because i am an idea and ideas are bulletproof ah even though he dies like right after that but it's it's the final fight of the sh of the movie and it it's the culmination of the government still trying to be cheeky about what they're doing with stuff they're going along with this plan but they don't want to they still want to be on top and v is the ultimate idealist in that he Dude, you can't kill me. 
I'm going to come up on top because as long as people believe in ideas, that idea will, will live forever. So it's just like, it, it's such a good fight too of like the traditional action movie trope of like hit. I just watched a Larry, a Larry bird documentary randomly. And he's like, he, he's iconic for telling you what he's about to do and then, and then it. does it light on right in your face. I, so I, it's like, just quick side tangent. I, maybe it's cause I, my parents were Celtics fans. I feel like Larry Bird is still criminally underrated to this day. Oh, uh, absolutely. The things that he could do. Um, just Bird is Bird is one of my all-time favorite players, and he is just one of the dirtiest players. Not like a Bill Lambeer type of dirty, but like Larry yeah. will mess you up. The dude that thinks he the dude that looks like he works at Kabbalah's will mess you up. Yes. <laughs> but like it, that I, that's what I think like there's a, that element to this final fight in V for Vendetta where he like He's like, no, like I'm, I'm gonna kill you after you're done with your shooting. So you better hope you can reload faster than I move. And it's like that's like so that's so it's such a cool ending to a great movie that I still watch every fifth no of November. Um, it's kind of it's just super good. I think it's super emotionally fulfilling. I think is the 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 phrase there. Uh, I have one on my list that I feel like because of some other movies that came out a few years before it it doesn't get talked about as much uh and we'll talk about those other movies but a movie that i'm sure josh will be happy is on my list because he and i both grew up watching this the lion the witch in the wardrobe yeah i feel like the final fight in the lion the witch in the wardrobe does not get talked about enough because lord of the rings was a thing that happened yes. a few years before but to me it's always lord of the rings is the like big epic mature storytelling whereas Lion of the Wardrobe was like the intro to that world and the intro to fantasy for a lot of people but it's a darn good fight that still frankly really holds up the visual effects in Lion of the Wardrobe for 2005 are yeah. still outstanding and the level of violence that they put in a PG movie surprisingly good um but yeah the visuals the epic scale it's a large yeah. scale fight that i was very surprised but also unlike some other movies that have large scale fights there's actual strategy involved with line of witch and wardrobe that i really appreciate of like okay before they even come to us eagles drop the big old boulders that's going to help take out some of them um then we get the archers for the long range stuff then we get the phoenixes to create the the fire barrier like there's so many cool elements to it and then it moves from a big field to a condensed tight narrow field i'm going oh there's actual strategy involved with this mm -hmm. which now as an adult i appreciate that peter learned all the strategy living through world war one like the bombers basically inspired oh, him too. to do the eagle drop dropping the rocks type of thing yeah yeah it's World War Two, but yes, yes, I no. It's World War um, One. I thought. I thought it was World War One. I'm pretty sure it's two, because that's when Germany bombs London. Is it? I wanna... There's also no planes in World War One. Yep, it's World War Two. I said World War Two from the get go. Yep, 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 yep. Also, and, like, I'll say shout this. Out... Hmm. Shout out to had... Prince uh, to Prince Caspian too, because Prince Caspian has a is while not as good as as uh, wardrobe is still pretty good and stays pretty faithful up until the whole moment where Susan falls in love with Prince Caspian. See, Prince Caspian didn't have a giant fight at the end, though, like a large-scale no. fight that I'm going, oh, 
was this just because you did Lion in the Woods in the wardrobe, so you felt like you had to do a large-scale fight? It just felt kind of weird yeah, to me. Yeah, it felt really weird. And, like, them changing the ending of Voyage of the Dawn Treader was really, really weird. And it's like, yeah. I am glad that y'all stopped doing this, because if they screwed up Last Battle, I was going to be pissed. Last Battle is my favorite favorite Narnia book. Uh, it is the one of it's the first books... It, one of the first books that ever made me actually physically cry um, was when they kill the horses. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe is fantastic. Like, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe also has one of my favorite obscure action characters, and it is the general that's always standing by Peter's side. And so, yes. like, right before the battle begins, are you with me? To the death. And so, like, Peter gets knocked off his horse, and so they're all retreating, and General sees that Peter's basically screwed. And so him and the rhino, like, turn around, they're like, you ready to do this? Let's do this. So the guy, like, starts running with two gigantic swords, starts mowing everybody down. You're like, this is awesome. He puts the two big swords in the minotaur. Then he busts out that mega sword to try and take down the witch. And you're just like, that. That is how you go down fighting. Like, Like, uh, protecting your king. That's so cool. Like, and, like, when some, oftentimes, too, sometimes characters are like, to the death, and then they, like, leave with the rest of the retreating force. It's like, what? <laughs> you didn't mean that. Come back on your <laughs> shield or on it. Yeah, like, come on, man. Since we're on this fantasy kick a little bit, uh, like, can we talk about Helm's Deep? Because Helm's Deep is literally, I think, still to this day, one of my favorite large-scale battles of all time. Like it's definitely explosive uh <laughs> toss me what toss me i can't make like, the jump you can't have to toss me <laughs> don't tell the elf um like it's so good and the 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 way that they while they they do show our heroes kind of like doing their thing and, st- and and winning the day in a sense at no point like, even up until the point where, like, Aragorn and Gimli are, like, they do that scene where he... Aragorn? Yeah, Aragorn. Uh, when they he tosses Gimli over, and then he hops over, and, like, they seem to be, like, winning at no point during that battle, up until the point that Gandalf shows up, do you feel like they could come out of this alive? Like, it is an insane amount of force coming at them, and they have... It's just... It's such a cool battle, and it's, like... Like, you know it's a big deal when he Aragorn shows up and, and like, te- teaches the the king of, of Rohan how to be a good leader. Um, or you get, oh, one of my favorite parts in that is when he's got that, like, that teenage boy and he's just yes. like, you ever, you ever swung a sword? No? And you're, like, just showing him how to fight and basically telling him how to be brave because they yes. have no fighters left, so they have to have everybody and i'm just like so cool. that that is a man right there of that's a that's a leader um there's so many iconic moments though with helm's deep of yet um oh what's his legolas surfing down the stairs yeah. um you get the peter the random cool. peter jackson cameo of throwing a spear over the wall yeah. um oh. you get the the rain coming down, so it begins. You get the guy standing on the rock. Um, the one that always makes me laugh is the marathon runner that's like carrying the fuse that'll blow up the wall. Yes! Because it always looks like a um, Olympic torch or whatever. So every year at my parents' house, they have a fake tree that like is built in parts. The top of the tree 
always makes me think of that, of it's shaped the exact same way. So whenever I have to help with the tree, I always get the top and I think it's the, the bomb from... <laughs> Helms deep and like Legolas is like trying to take him down, and you're like in your head, you're like, I hope he takes him down, but there's no way, buddy. There's no way you're you're stopping this. Which man. I mean, I know he's on the bad side, but major props to that runner. He gets shot a whole bunch. It just keeps going, man. Like, like at no I point does he you, stop. Like yeah. he doesn't slow down at all. He's just like, oh, tis a flesh wound. I'm gonna die anyway. <laughs> so, oh, so cool. Um. Actually, Helm's Deep is not my favorite fight in all Lord of the Rings, but I can't put really? the Battle of Gondor because it's not the final fight. I think Gondor's even more dire, and it Agreed. gets worse. And then, um, you think you know death. And yeah. you get everyone on the hill, and you're just like, Whoa! But uh, the part that the I'll, the scene I'll go with is the Battle of Mordor, the actual final I'm battle done. for Return of the King, like the... So let's call it the target battle because as it's yeah. starting to go, you get the little circle and everyone surrounding kind of looks like target um, for Frodo. Ah, and then everyone runs past the hobbits because yes. the hobbits have little legs. Uh, it's such a good battle because honestly, there's nothing to gain at the Battle of Mordor. Like, they, they don't know if Frodo and Sam are still alive. It's not for victory. It's just on the slim chance that there's a little tiny bit of hope that Frodo and Sam are still alive. Maybe we can buy them just a little bit more time. I just, it's so well done. Uh, it's the, the culmination of Aragorn's arc of, okay, you're finally wearing the colors. You are finally the king, especially, finally, more or less. Uh, and you get, oh, who is Hugo Weaving's character presenting him with the repaired sword? You're yes. just going, that's a really long sword. Like, why, why is that so ridiculously long, but only meant to be wielded by one hand? It's it's weird, but uh, you're just like, yes, Aragorn, you've come a long way. All the battles in Lord of the Rings are spectacular, but mm -hmm. either Helm's Deep or Battle of Mordor could be on the list for best final fights. I agree. I agree. Um, so we're 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 in kind of in like major uh, franchise territory. So do we want to go ahead and get Star Wars out of the way? <laughs> if yep. you have some, if you have some. So what's if I have some? <laughs> I have what's one actually. <laughs> I I put two in there because so it was really odd. I was like, you know, what are some of my favorite battles in in Star Wars? Because there's quite a few, especially in Final. I mean, you got nine to show, to choose from. What's really odd to me is people put the one in Return of the Jedi is the best of the series. And I don't get that, for me, anyway. I think A New Hope is better, and I think Attack of the Clones is better. See, I have Return of the Jedi, but just Luke versus Vader. Fair, Here, here's fair the problem with... Actually, a lot of Star Wars movies is they do too much for their finales. Like, mm -hmm. uh, Empire Strikes Back, perfect. You just have two storylines that are happening very, very similar locations to each other. They're very, very close by. Uh, but Return of the Jedi, you get the Luke fight. You get the Lando fight. That probably doesn't actually need to be there because it's just a repeat of A New Hope. Um, yeah. 
then you get the Han and Leia on the ground. Like there, there's three fights, and then Phantom Menace has the exact same problem with Duel of the Fates, Anakin, which doesn't need to exist, Padme, and the Gungans fights. That's four separate fights all going on at once. I think Attack of the Clones has too many pieces to it. You've got the arena fight, then you get that random fight that actually doesn't need to be there of when they're fighting like in the middle of the desert or wherever yeah that yeah. it's just kind of there to introduce the concept of the clone wars and then they go to the count dooku fight which i think is good had we gone right from the arena fight to the dooku fight i think that would have worked um, I agree. but that one's a little too stretched out revenge of the sith we've talked about before ad nauseum of it's it's too long and also yeah it, there's not enough emotional stakes to justify the length of it um and yeah the choreography is bad. I'll say that. I think both fights, the Yoda and the Obi Wan fights, I think have bad choreography. Hey, Anakin, see that? See that um, vine over there? Swing at me. Why, Master? Cause it'll look cool when we swing our lightsabers at each other. Don't question yeah. my methods, Padawan. Yeah. Just like swing at each other. I'm going. This doesn't work. I don't. Or that stupid part where they just flail their lightsabers about only to force push each other against the wall and going who was that for really just but i i put return of the jedi what do you put there um i definitely i have a new hope or attack of the clones um i personally i think a new hope is it's good it's about the only one that has only one fight going on um it's just the trench run, basically. It's that attack on the Death Star, and I love. I think it's iconic. It's it's paced perfectly. It like you get the sense of oh no, he might not get out of this alive, or oh no, they might not actually do this. Uh, and then the Falcon coming in, Darth Vader going off, going off into space. Like it's just. I think it to me. It's it's pretty dying good and I, I personally i i like my big large scales that go into into smaller scale battles so i i a final fight for me for attack of the clones is literally from the arena all the way into and all the way to the end of the dooku fight um the only thing i think reason i wouldn't put put attack of the clones up on, on the list would be i don't like how flippy yoda is i think it's stupid and gimmicky and it just doesn't make sense i don't think you should have ever held a lightsaber no i at least not on screen like i i he's a jedi he's got to have one i get it but to have him be that flippy feels so weird and i just don't i just don't like it yeah like attack of clones i think had it right when dooku and yoda first start fighting it's a battle of the force of using and moving things Mm -hmm. and going that's a good idea that's how Yoda should fight. Or when Yoda, when Dooku shoots the lightning at Yoda and he just absorbs it and going, that's cool. Also, Yoda absolutely has dabbled in some dark stuff to be able yeah. to do that. There's no way he didn't. I will it's say, so cra- oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's so crazy to me that we as adults are watching the, the sequel trilogy and going, oh, man, they're just pulling out new force powers just so it's convenient and you're telling me that you knew about force absorb before yoda did it get out of here get out of here go away i don't want to talk i will say with a new hope um it gets better with age of the tension that is built 
uh, mm-hmm. the countdown. I actually like, even if it's a movie that I've seen hundreds of times, I still am just like, oh man, I know how this is going to end, but I'm, I'm feeling the excitement on this one. Like I can, mm-hmm. I'm feeling the anticipation. Although someone pointed out to me that I'm going, why, why, why did you have to ruin that for me? Uh, so the whole point with that trench run is the Death Star has to move out of the way of this planet off to be able to shoot Yavin 4, right? Well, why doesn't the Death Star just blow up that planet and then there's nothing in the way of Yavin 4? Well, and, and, and I'm like, going, there's probably reload time for a weapon that big. But, like, also, given kind of the stuff in Rogue One, as much as, like, you and I have different opinions, I do enjoy it. But it definitely establishes that if it wanted to, it just have to have a powerful enough blast or time to charge. It would just shoot a hole through the planet at the at the bit moon. Like that's there's no way I don't. Yeah, that's definitely a small little nitpick. But I agree. Like it, it the the fight still to this day is so good that at still watching it today, I still go, oh, I know how this ends, but I'm locked in and ready for it. Yeah, I put the Luke Invader one from Return of the Jedi. I don't need to go into a lot of detail. Everyone knows that that's my favorite moment in all of Star Wars because mm-hmm. it doesn't have great choreography, but in that moment, it makes sense why there's bad choreography. It's just rage and anger, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about large-scale and small-scale fights. Let's talk about one that has both. It is both a one-on-one fight and also a massive large-scale fight. It just doesn't take place on land. Aquaman. Oh gosh! <laughs> don't you be hating yeah. on Aquaman's grand finale? I, never, I just completely forgot. I, I don't know, which is so sad. Like this happens to you and I all the time. We're like, like, oh man, I forgot about that. But like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. When he takes a try to starts chanting along. I was like, oh, here we go. All right. Jason Momoa rides into battle on a giant Julie Andrews. Like, come on now. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll tell you, I'll but tell you. also, <laughs> James Wan just said, I'm going to go as ridiculous as possible, and you're going to like it. You all made fun of Aquaman and his weird seahorse. I'm going to have him ride a seahorse into battle, and y'all going to like it. And guess what? I liked it. <laughs> and also, you have a 100% comic book accurate Aquaman suit that I genuinely thought would be unfilmable with the yellow and the green. I didn't think there was ever a chance we'd get that just because it was a little outlandish. But holy crap, did they make it work. But the large scale, James Wan understands fight geography of, okay, good guys are the red light and the bad guys are the ones in blue light. It makes it easier to understand the geography, whereas... Independence Day Resurgence, I'm going to point you out once again, of the good guys and the bad guys are both flying green lasered alien ships. So I don't know who's shooting at who or who I should care about. Whereas Aquaman, it's a cluster, but it's a clear cluster. It's organized (laughs) chaos that you can follow. And it's ridiculous and wonderful. You have Dolph Lundgren riding a shark into battle, but you don't bat an eye. You have Amber Heard. And then you have Jason Momoa just being amazing. But then you get the large-scale battle. Then he takes the guy from The Conjuring up to the shore, takes him out of his element. Because I appreciate that Patrick uh, no, Patrick Wilson was able to beat 
Jason Momoa the first time because they're underwater and Aquaman wasn't that wasn't his element yet. So Aquaman takes him to where he knows he can win on the surface more more or less on top of a ship. And that fight's awesome. Like that feels like a living breathing comic book panel of the rain. Why is it raining? Doesn't need to cuz it looks cool. Like dude, the shot where he holds out the trident and the rain just kind of drops off the glowing trident or whatever or he does the so flip cool. and breaks Orm's trying to just go and he's like, okay, you've beaten me. Kill me. And doesn't. He shows his brother Mercy just like, he beats you. That's how you know he wins. And Aquaman's <laughs> finale is just so good. I love it. Absolutely. So we're talking about clusters, right? Big battles that turn into craziness. Absolute insanity. So I'm, I'm going to bring two, two more that are absolute insane, and there's a lot going on. So we're going to talk about uh, Mad Max for your road and the final ride on on, on, the, on the road and Saving Private Ryan's final fight because both of them are absolute organized chaos. Um, the Saving Private Ryan, the last one, the last fight, they're like, I love the pacing in that it, it feels like, oh, they could actually get out of this. And then the Tiger Tanks show up and absolutely basically murder everyone. Um, but, like, fantastic, beautiful. What, it gives you that feeling of what an actual war is going to feel like, which is something that Saving Private Ryan does very, very well throughout the entire film. Um, yeah, fantastic. And then Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, it's very, very interesting to me, that, and I didn't notice this until I was rewatching it recently, because I watch Mad Max Fury Road like once every couple months. Um, the final road fight is when they get really close and personal. Everything up till that point is kind of like uh, we're going to shoot it at each other from across the road, kind of thing. Whereas that now we're on top of the road and this big guy is ripping off the, the engine and trying to throw it at people. Like, it's just so, it's such a cool, like final sequence. It's hard to call it a fight, but like, it's definitely the finale. Like you said, like, it's just so beautiful and organized chaos. And gosh dang it. I love Mad, Mad Max for your road. <laughs> so I've got five more. How many more you got? Oh, geez. Um, one, two, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. <laughs> Fine with me. I'm just gonna sit back for a little bit then. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's talk. Oh, I can take that one off because that's technically not. That's not. That's a technicality. Uh, let's talk about and say I can. I can lump these two together. You ready? Ready? All right. We got Pacific Rim, the first one, obviously the good one. Um, that final fight, peak, beautiful. No. Love it. Right, well, screw See, you. I hate the final fight in Pacific Rim. Really? Here, here's why. Pacific Rim, to me, I think peaked in that middle fight with the two big creatures, the big guy and the and the pterodactyl-looking thing. The final fight is kind of messy, I think, because it's underwater. It slows all the creatures down. That's it's not fair. as visually interesting. Like I really like Pacific Rim, but that final fight should have been swapped with the one in the city. Like the motion that's, is no, yeah, that's that's fair. That's it's fair. slower. It, the colors are still vibrant and interesting, but the the narrative of why the fight is happening isn't as engaging, and it, it's not as hard hitting. 
with, with that being said, too, as much as I don't like Pacific Rim 2, the final fight is a little bit more is more interesting than the one. In, it in feels more like a first. final fight type of. Yeah, definitely. Especially when they, they all combine and it's crazy. They combine uh, their Megazords. <laughs> uh, so since we're already in Tokyo, let's talk about Godzilla versus Kong's final fight. <laughs> I was wondering like, if that was going to be on here today. Dude, no way you can't bring this up as one of the coolest, like, best final fights of all time. Just, like, and I love that they, they this is the only Godzilla movie that does just enough throughout the movie to get your get your taste buds wet uh, as far as what the fight's going to be. And then really doesn't, then just lets it build, lets it build, and then by the time they actually, like, clash, clash now it's go time and then that then that leads into the reveal spoiler alert i guess uh for for mecha godzilla and it's like this is it's just so good the way that it's the the non-verbal communication that happens between kong and, and godzilla is amazing and it's hard to it's hard to get better than that especially like when they both like non-verbally agree to help each other beat mecha like so cool so stinking cool um also it's okay. another i always viewed godzilla versus kong as a wrestling match come to life of like okay you've booked your two top champions who's gonna win y'all kind of know godzilla is gonna win that's why i was rooting for kong just as the underdog yeah but when you have your cena and the rock how do you make them both look strong in defeat though because one yeah. of them has to lose and so you have one of them win but you make sure that the other one gets the kill shot on Mecha Godzilla, which I'm just yeah. like, okay, that's fair. Like Godzilla absolutely would beat Kong, but Kong and the axe is what took down Mecha Godzilla. Like obviously Godzilla and Kong had to work together, but it was nice that they let Kong had the final shot, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Excuse me. I have a couple animated ones here. You knew how to train your dragon was going to show up eventually. Um, I prefer the second, the second one, the second finale. Oh, I've slept on Kung Fu Panda. How dare! Wow, actually, I have too. Oh man! Because <laughs> you said I, the like, second one, and I'm in, I'm immediately thinking of reversing the chi from the second one. Oh, so good! Or even like the um. The Kai fight at the end of um, of three, when they're fighting on top of the mountain, and then he goes to the the Chi realm and absolutely becomes the Chi master or whatever. That's super cool. But like, how to train your dragon two, awesome. Coming on the backs of the death of death of stoic, and like just it's there's the scale is huge. The stakes the are scales, huge. and I just I just love like I think we talk about it a lot, but like. And I, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but like how to train your dragon and Kung Fu Panda, Kung Fu Panda. Jeez. We can't Kung talk Fu dragon, them, how to train Kung your Fu panda. Dragon. <laughs> Kung Fu dragon, how to train your panda. <laughs> your panda. That, I mean, that's, that's literally just the, that's Kung Fu Panda one. Basically. What if, um, what if Jack Black voice take up? I don't think it would be as funny. Oh no, it absolutely would, would not. No, that would be weird. All right, be super weird. Skadoosh. <laughs> uh my other animated pick was uh the incredibles oh yeah that's a good one i had i hadn't thought about that movie in a long time i was just like scrolling through scenes of uh final fights and 
gosh, it's so it's so. First of all, fantastic movie. Second of all, the first time, kind of only time that we see the them operate as a family, a superhero family, and that's fantastic. It's got. Yeah, we see beef. them as a team on the island. Remember that iconic shot in the jungle. I mean, that's that's fair, but we don't see them operate as a family after that. Uh because they don't do much in the second one. <clears throat> um, it was still a mistake uh, to have it immediately after the first one, I think. They should have done a time jump and made Jack-Jack yep. the villain. Uh, or just Jack-Jack being older in general would be cool. Um, I like that. Uh, and it's got that great Frozone, Frozone moment. Honey, where's, where's my, my super, super suit? suit? Why do you need to know? <laughs> Our I city's in danger. Greatest... Our marriage is in danger. <laughs> I'm the With the greater good, good. Needs me. I am your wife. I am the greatest good you'll ever see. I go get it. Oh, great stuff. Great, just great stuff. It's so good. Um, it's just yeah, it's real satisfying. Ties everything up pretty well. Um, I'm gonna do one. I don't think it's gonna be on your list, and then I think we are one, two, three, pretty close, basically, to what you have left. Um, I, and I think this is the more times I watch it. I really, really like Superman versus Zod and Man of Steel. Yep, it's not on my list. <laughs> um, I, I like, I think I've appreciated it more that, that you know, it's a beginning Superman that hasn't really fought. I The details aside of, like, I don't think he... I don't like that he has the suit in this. That's fine, whatever. There's no logical reason why Superman has the suit other than... No. Oh, hey, it was in this ship that I found. <laughs> it was just time, you know, whatever. Um, I don't like that. I love, and I will go down as this is a, still, this is crazy to me that it's still controversial to this day. Of, uh, I honestly really, really like that Zod forces Superman into making a decision. Either kill me or let me kill the, this family with my laser eyes. Like, to me, like, what other choice do you have? You, you got it, and you can tell at the very least, you can tell he's remorseful right after it. So it's not like he like did it and was like, "Ha ha, all right, I saved the day." I would um, have made it, you know, somebody and not just a random family. Like that's I think fair. Making it a random family is kind of an odd choice, but at the same time, it's that he's willing to save anybody. Everyone is equal in his eyes, I guess. But yeah, not that's fair. I got one more, and then we can go back back and forth again. Um. So I'm going back into the catalog for, uh, oh, jeez, Wow. I just forgot his name. Um, Batman Begins Batman. Who's that? Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale. Wow. Why did I forget his name? Oh, anyway. God. Please don't say equilibrium. I love equilibrium. <laughs> okay. It is a great, great ending fight. It makes no sense. Gung Fu does not make sense, but I love it. It's discount matrix and you know it. I agree, and I will not fight you on that, but that doesn't make it any less entertaining. It's if Patrick Bateman was in The Matrix. And? <laughs> like, How did come I know on. that it was going to be Equilibrium? <laughs> come on. It is so cool. Like, when he's, like, run, he runs out of, uh, first of all, the whole scene where he loads... His, his pistols oh, from, like, so a dumb. mechanism. It's so cool! It's stupid, but it's so cool. 
Um, and into the whole like katana fight that happens in the like the last bit room where he slices that guy's face clean off, which first of all physically does not make sense, but it doesn't stop it from being pure sci-fi nonsensical cool. How? <laughs> How did I know? Now, I'll fight you on this. <laughs> There's a reason that no one talks about equilibrium to this day. Like, it's because they're not friends with me. I will talk about equilibrium all day. No, this is genuinely like the first time you've talked about equilibrium on the podcast or ever. <laughs> I didn't even know you had seen this movie. Oh, come on. Oh, it's so good. It's a I mean, movie it's that a... exists. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, whatever. You know what? I'm just. I'm going to go watch it on my own. <laughs> oh, man. Where, where like, would you even find it now? Um, I believe it's on HBO Max. <laughs> Until, you know, it moves to Peacock for a month or so. Something, yeah. It's, it's, I, and I think that's why I thought about it because I saw it randomly on some list of like, hey, this is available, like newly added or something like that. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's free to watch and you will know why. <laughs> It's okay. You know what? It's I, Matrix I without the green tint, <laughs> and which is very odd to me. But like, I, as cool as the at least the very the first Matrix is, I wouldn't put the like any of like the final fight on this list. It's like it's fine. It's a thing. Yeah, that Matrix happens. has never done it for me. It's cool. I guess. I mean, I wish I could put the the gun battle in the lobby on here, but that's not a final fight. It's a cool bat fight, but whatever. It's eh. yeah. Technically, the final fight in the Matrix isn't it the subway fight with Mister Andy yeah. with um, Agent Smith with, and you're just going, yeah. yeah, it's it's okay. Like, it's cool. It, I love like, visually. It's it's fun. It's it's it thing. gets the job done. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so I've got a bunch of one-on-one fights before I get to my last one. Let, let's let's get Josh less heated than equilibrium. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's even out his equilibrium with going hey. with one that we'll agree on. Creed 2. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh-oh. Creed 2. Let's go. See, I think the first Creed is great, but it has a weak final fight. Whereas Creed mm. 2 I like better because it's got a stronger final fight. Like, to this day... I don't remember who he fought in Creed. <laughs> like, uh, it's the the guy that. Uh, but what's his uh, name? Uh, he's um, a prick. Film movie. <laughs> but what's his name? Uh, he's like super British or something, and he like punched him. Now I don't tell... know his name. Okay, that's not the point. Okay, now tell me every other Rocky villain. <laughs> um, uh, Apollo just... Creed. Clubber Lang, Ivan Drago, Tommy the Machine Gun, Tommy, Mason the Line, Dixon, the one in Creed, or, or. But, uh, like, at the same time, and I kind of feel like he did, he really wasn't big enough, I guess, to do. No, you know what? No, screw that. Yeah. Creed 2 is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, let's get back on the Creed 2 thing, because Creed 2 is awesome, because the problem is with Creed, as much as we all loved it, I think the issue with the bad guy is. We knew he was – he's the guy that when you when you just won a title, you need at least a couple weak defenders before you get to your big budget guys. And I feel like all the audience kind of were waiting for the Creed-Drago rematch. Like that was kind of the thing. Even from the get-go of the first Creed movie was, oh, 
what if we do Creed versus Drago? Like, that was rumors even for the very first movie. So it felt like, okay, yeah, this villain's kind of a placeholder until we can get new Drago, which it's Ivan Drago. Is It's Victor Drago? Yeah, Victor Drago is his kid. Which, all the credit in the world to the actor that played Victor Drago and is now Razor Fist in Shang-Chi of, I was expecting big physicality. But he brought a lot of emotion to the role, too, of feeling like uh, a child that doesn't have the best of con- relationships with his father or is clearly this is the only thing he has because everything else in the world has abandoned him. But get to that final fight. They do such a good job of making you feel like Adonis is not going to win this fight <laughs> at all because a big issue, and Sylvester Stallone has stated as much over the years is in the original Rocky movies, the sound design isn't great. Like every punch kind of sounds like a missile hitting someone. Whereas yeah. in Creed, it sounds like punches probably because some of them actually are punches. Yeah. Um, but Adonis is just getting wrecked. And then he comes out with that one round. He's like, I got this, I got this. And, a, and Victor just freaking lays him out and he's just done. But you get the little heartbeat, and he starts pounding the mat, and you're going, oh, I'm feeling it now. I'm feeling it. Is it cliche and cheesy? Yeah, it's a Rocky movie. I need my comfort (laughs) beat-ups. Like, are Rocky movies cliche? Absolutely, but they're cliches because they work. And so he starts pounding the mat, and he gets up, and my favorite part of the whole movie, the ref's like, What's your name? To make sure he's not concussed. Creed, what's your name? Creed! Then he comes back at Victor Drago. One big old bop to the chin. And they finally play the Rocky music, which hadn't been played up until that point yet. It hadn't been played in this one, and I don't think it had been played in the first Creed either. I don't think it had Because it's going, uh-huh, we're going to wait and pull the trigger on this music to make sure it actually means the most emotionally and so i almost left out of a seat when heather and i saw this in the theater of when they finally played the rocky music going f yeah let's go from that point on the momentum just shifts and you're just going oh victor you've got no shot to the point of like when he's just wailing on the final round and ivan reaches for the white towel i'm you can kind of see that you're coming going oh Drago's throwing in the towel. It's coming full circle. It rhymes like poetry. And yeah. <laughs> just going, Chill out, oh, it's so cathartic. It's such a good final fight because the it movie, is. you know he's going to win, but the movie does everything in its power to make you think that, okay, maybe not type of thing. And yeah. then just Drago actually surrendering at the end, just a wonderful touch. I always lose it. When at the end of the fight, Victor doesn't want to talk to anybody, but his dad, like, forces him to hug him. Like, okay, I've been a terrible father, but I, I think I understand now. They can start rebuilding the relationship. Yeah. There's a deleted scene, though, in Creed 2 that I'm genuinely mad isn't in the movie. And it's uh, after the fight, Creed goes to see Victor, and he's more or less just like, we good? Yeah, we good. And he just leaves. And then Rocky's there in the doorway and he sees Ivan and he kind of, and Ivan kind of just gives him a little nod like, oh, okay, let's bury the hatchet type of thing. I'm like, why did you cut that? That's a really good scene. But Creed 2, the final 
fight in that is mm, that's the rocky formula perfected absolutely and i i think it's it's amplified too because like god he fights him in the like the first like 20 minutes or something like that like i was like oh we're we're already here like oh 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 i wasn't expecting and then gets yeah they do the rocky three they do the rocky three method yeah, I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, dang." I, I guess what what do we do now? It, it's the culmination of that, and I think are they doing a third one? I don't yes, think they... with Jonathan Majors as the villain. That's remember, right, Michael that's B. Jordan's right. directing it. Yes, I am down. I don't care. I don't Honor- care what happens. Also, honorable mention to the final fight in Rocky Balboa because <laughs> I <laughs> love when Mason Dixon uh, just pops him a solid and Rocky just drops to the floor and he gets that internal monologue like what are you always telling the kid it ain't about how hard you hit it's about how hard you can get hit get up get up and he stands up and I think Mason the line Dixon's reaction is still one of my favorite reaction shots in any movie because Rocky like gets up and slowly turns his head and Mason just goes oh balls like his eyes are just like no you yeah. don't think Rocky's going to win, and he doesn't. Watch the version where Rocky doesn't win. I think that's much more satisfying. Rocky does not need to beat Mason Dixon like like the original Rocky. He doesn't win then. Uh, but nah. all Rocky fights, even when they're not that great. Rocky fights are like pizza. Even when they're not that great, they're still good. Like, Rocky Three is probably the weakest fight besides, you know, Rocky Four, but Rocky Five doesn't. Rocky Five, not Rocky Four. Rocky Four is good. Rocky, I was gonna say bro, Rocky what? Five. Rocky Five is the worst fight, but Rocky Five also doesn't exist. I I choose to believe that Rocky Balboa wiped Rocky Five from canon and isn't a thing anymore. So yeah, I'm okay with that. yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna bring the table. My only, I, I reduced myself to one foreign kung fu style movie which is very hard <laughs> is it the one that sir that is not a foreign that is an american developed film I don't um know. it's the the kitchen fight from raid 2 oh. there is like not a lot of choreography that is better than that like by the top, they takes place in a completely white kitchen, and by the end of it, you they you can visually see like there is a fight that that has happened here because there's blood everywhere. And just seeing two guys who are definitely equally matched skill wise, just completely like gloves are off. Let's go! Like it's so good, and a lot there's a lot of stuff in the raid too that. I mean, they try to put a story in to kind of, like, give you reasons to go from fight to fight. Uh, there's a hallway scene with a guy that, like, wields only hammers, like, from the hardware store, and it's terrifying. It's just, the kitchen fight from Ray 2 is fantastic. It's it's hard to describe without you uh, without somebody having seen it, but, like, I've, I've reduced myself. It was very hard. To pick only just one, but like, I cause like Umbach two isn't it should be in there. Like, there's uh, there's so much. Like, oh oh oh, Drunken Master two, God, so good. Oh my goodness. So, let's go with something very very different that we talked yep. about. Was it last week? Spider Man versus the Green Goblin 
in the first Spider-Man movie. Is that one hey, of yours too? Yeah, I love it. This it's one the is like thing about that movie that I like. This is one of those like actually kind of uncomfortable to watch fights. Yes, because like it's very very brutal and very one sided. And Goblin absolutely should have killed Peter if he wasn't you know just an idiot. But having no score doesn't help make it any less brutal. The fights, just seeing like. Also, for some reason, in movies, like, when a character gets, quote-unquote, beat up, like, they'll have marks, like, around their cheeks or around their eyes so that the actor still stays good-looking. Nah, we're going to throw that out with Toby. We're going to have him, like, bleeding from the mouth a little bit. We're going to have him, like, all kinds of busted up. We don't care if he looks good anyway. He already kind of looks like an awkward child. So we're just going to basically run Toby through the ringer. Um, it's dirty. It's grungy. It's... It's brutal to watch, honestly, and not a, yeah. a lot of comic book movies get that level of brutality. I wish the ending of the fight was a little more interesting. It's just kind of, okay, oh, look, I've been impaled, and it's <laughs> not very, like, the whole scene is violent, and then the actual impaling is not that violent, coming from, especially from Sam Raimi, you know, Mr. Horror yeah. himself. That could have been better, but, yeah, that fight is something else. And there's, I think, definitely something to be said. Like, Peter should have been more messed up because he had a pumpkin bomb blow up in his face. And the only thing that happened was he lost a part of his mask because we have to show his face for emotion. But, like, dude, uncomfortable. Like, I think what's crazy, too, is the tone of this fight is completely different from the rest of the movie. It's just, yeah, it, which is so odd, but, like, it makes me like it more. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, it, it is... It doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. In no, a good not way. not at all. And a, yeah, and definitely the best way possible. I mean, the the only other, like, fight that I really, actually, really enjoy in this movie is when he's in the burning building and having the dodge, like, not get burned alive, but also dodge, like, bladed pumpkin bombs. Like, that's so cool. Although, but, yeah. like... Really? Goblin is going to be wearing an old lady blanket to hide himself? Like, come on now. <laughs> I mean, Toby's Spider-Man is kind of stupid sometimes, so you gotta got to give it to him a little bit. Yeah. So, I'm going to talk about another one that I know Josh just watched recently. Um, and I make fun of Revenge of the Sith for being way too long of a fight. But I'll give a pass to this, absolutely, because it had been a decade worth of build. And also, they at least change the locales, and there's reason for why the choreography is the way it is. And it's the final fight between Harry and Voldemort. Yeah, That, I think, keeps it visually interesting enough. Moving it from location to location, uh, it's pretty evenly matched, which, you know, probably shouldn't be. <laughs> but you get some interesting stuff. Like, I like the part where Voldemort is more or less, like, kind of letting his robe do the fighting for him. They're almost like mm -hmm. Doc Ock tendrils. I think that's cool. Uh, fighting in the courtyard is a good step. I appreciate that it's across different places, but it's intercut with Harry and her, uh, with Ron and Hermione to kind of break it up. But it those are the only two things happening. It's not like Phantom Menace where we're hopping around a whole bunch of other places. The only thing I have issues with with the final fight between Harry and Voldemort is that scene where they're at like the edge of a cliff somewhere and Harry's just like, Let's finish this how we started, Tom, together. And they dive off the side, and they're, like, touching each other's face. And at one point, their face becomes one face. I'm going, 
that looks really wonky and I don't understand why this choice was made but the rest of the fight is pretty good and I I appreciate that Voldemort essentially got Thanos snapped away before it was even a thing like he straight up gets disintegrated I'm going wait that's the Thanos snap effect (laughs) uh Marvel yeah (laughs) it's cool and I like it's you know you have the the Neville moment in there Neville Neville the actual hero stinking cool replace Uh, everything in Harry Potter take Ron out and put Neville in instead you just hate Ron. That's the only you hate. I Ron. don't. I don't hate Ron, but Neville is a significantly better character. Ron doesn't grow or change. He's the only one that really doesn't change as a person. He's an idiot when he starts, and he's an idiot when he finishes. I mean, yeah, but he's like the okay. He they get into the chamber of secrets. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He gets and, into and the chamber of secrets those... because he remembers how Harry talks in his sleep, and that means he can speak parcel tongue now. No. Yeah, no, uh, the last one, he, like, shows that he is, like, at the end of the day, he's just as smart as as, as the other two. Like, don't, no, 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 no. No, Ron's an that idiot. I like said, that, I like that he's an idiot, but he's an idiot. I mean, yes, I, I still think my favorite moment from Deathly Hallows Part 2 is when Neville's like, have y'all seen Luna? I'm like, I'm like yes, Neville, go, go, Neville, go! You know, that's clearly a thing. It should be. I love that. They definitely didn't end up together in the books. And also, it wasn't hinted at at all in the movies. Well, you wouldn't. Up until the final movie, they're just like, oh, hey, we shared scenes together. And movies like to pair couples off. Want to be together? Does it mean more screen time? A little bit. Sure. You know what? (laughs) I hate (laughs) This is not fun. I don't like this anymore. Um. Sucks when Speaking I'm right. of something that was fun, here we go. Transition segues. Um, the Ant Man final fight is easily one of the most final fights in all of Marvel. Um, okay. I refuse to acknowledge the dance fight at the end of uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh it is the one moment that everyone's like, "Ha ha, get it? Peter Quill's funny." Ha. Uh, no, it makes Peter Quill. And shows that he's an idiot. I'm, he I'm, is I'm, an idiot. But I'm to be fair, not... without Quill, we don't have Endgame. I understand, but that's not okay. <laughs> we do. We wouldn't need Endgame if we had if we didn't have Peter Quill. Uh, anyway, but Ant Man is. I mean, come on, a giant throwing like the amount of comedy that they interweave like with this very very intense fight is. It, I mean, it's pretty par for the course when it comes to Ant Man, but like when uh, Yellow Jacket's about to get smacked by the gi- by the giant train, and he's like, ah, and it just hits him and falls off. I was like, ah, so yeah, cool. it's so great, and just like intercutting the whole fight with the perspective that Yellow Jacket and Ant Man are having, but then also the perspective that his daughter has of just like watching these two very small things like fight on a toy set is peak. It's so good. It's so entertaining. Scale. Absolutely. So let's get the other, let's get the other bucket out for this one. My last one-on-one fight. I'm going to emotionally destroy Josh. We have to talk about warrior. No, because God, you could do talk about 
uh, Brendan versus Koba, but that's not the final fight. And also, that's more of just your traditional Rocky fight, like underdog fight, as opposed to like, hey, let's work through our brotherly emotional issues together. Family so, trauma. <laughs> for those that don't know, and if you've listened, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you know because we talk about it probably once every couple months. Warrior is two brothers that end up in, in very very brief terms, two brothers that end up in the finals of a UFC tournament together and have to fight each other, except they're not on good terms. Um, I love how the fight evolves over time. The first round is just Tommy wrecking Brendan like every other fight that he's been in. Like when he just honorable mention to when he levels mad dog Grimes with the clothesline and then basically just kills him with two punches and then walks out of the cage you do that in real world, they lock you up and throw away the key. Um, so Tommy's just wrecking Brendan, and they're sitting in the corner. It's like, yeah, yeah, we knew that he was going to do that. He knew that he was going to do that. So remember, aim, go for this, this, and this. And the second round, Brendan pops Tommy's shoulder out. Ooh, still to this day, the best and the worst sound design I've ever heard because it just feel it just sounds like it's actually happening. And then... Worse yet, Brendan, no, Tommy comes out of the corner, tears in his eyes, probably from the pain, like he's going into shock. But you, it, what appears to be, you can almost like see the arm out almost. Yeah. You're going, huh? nope. And he's just fighting one handed, basically. And Tommy's just like, no, what, what, I'm not going to fight you one handed. And then it gets the more of the emotion of, okay, violence is the only way you can communicate. I'll beat the crap out of you if it gets through to your thick skull. And it's basically just two brothers wailing on each other while working through their issues of, like, where were you? Why would you leave to go with mom when I stayed with dad? I thought if I stayed with dad, I could finally get his love and attention. But no, he still preferred you type of thing. And they're just wailing on each other. And then he, uh, Brendan hesitates. He does the little juke. Roundhouse kicks to the face. Puts Tommy in. Is it a triangle? Yeah. He gets him in a triangle more or less. He's about to pop his other shoulder out. He's like, tap, Tommy. Tap. I love you. And then it's, oh, the catharsis that comes through. It's such a good fight. But not even just the emotional complexity of it. The fight itself is real good. You want to see Tom Hardy powerbomb someone repeatedly that it becomes a little uncomfortable. But not, like, overdone. Like, the fight's in all of Warrior feel very real and like okay whoever your consultant was was not paid enough because there's a level of authenticity to warrior of the submissions the attacks it feels very calculated and and purposeful in how it works like i appreciate that brendan never wins any of his matches via knockout all of them are submission because he's not strong enough or He's not, it's not his game. Yeah, it's not it's his not thing. His he's not as good at it. Whereas Tom, whereas Tommy is a beast. All of his wins are knockouts, which, fun fact, that's because Tom Hardy had no mixed martial arts experience, so they had to Goldberg him of basically teaching the bare minimum, uh, which includes knockouts, which is why all of his fights are super, super short. Whereas Joel Edgerton actually did have MMA experience, which is why he was allowed to have the long fights. It works for the story, but also... He had more experience and could actually pull off the stuff. Granted, there were stunt people, but the Warrior Final Fight will always get to me. It's so well done. 
so well done. But it's always interesting to, to me, too, that Tommy is a character. Um, he, uh, they kind of set him up as this ultimate wrestler kind of guy with the record that, that he had as a kid. And then he just punches people out. The whole movie. That's all he does. And I really, in that to that extent, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great, like one of the best fights. Still gets me to this day. Uh, when Brendan hits him with the the "I love you," like oh, heart wrenching, like fantastic. And um, the music in that scene. Ooh, the Nationals about today is still ooh. so good. I think. Didn't you accidentally play it in the car on the way to like uh, to Orlando or to like to go eat or something Probably. like that? Probably. Probably. And both of us were like, "Oh, oh that I'm that's still my now. music rotation to this day." <laughs> Absolutely. So I got so, one more. You got one more. You got two um, more. I got two more. Um, I'm gonna do one that you will not see coming, coming from me, and then one that kind of makes sense. Um, both Marvel. Uh. No matter my opinion about Civil War, that final bit where it's Tony Tony versus uh, Cap and, and Bucky is just so good. As much as I hate Tony, seeing him trying to actually have to work his way around a problem of like trying to fight two people. Okay, I can't do this. I'm not fast enough to. Okay, like yes, he uses the computer to analyze fighting styles which is whatever but um fantastic the team seeing that teamwork between bucky and cap is signal for other things to come but like god it's just so cool when they're passing the 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 shield back and forth and just going to town on tony because he deserves it um i mean that's my opinion of tony nope i agree Uh, yeah, especially in that movie, but like in the series in general. Uh, yeah, fantastic. So, Probably one of the only things I really, 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 it was hard for me to be like, no, you didn't need that. Like, not like that. That was a, you, that, if you're going to call this Civil War and you're not, you're going to kind of barely do a giant battle with all, with a bunch of superheroes and make it so that there's no real stakes in that battle but uh also there are but there's not uh like that is the fight that needs to happen between cap bucky and, and iron man so it'll never happen but imagine that exact same fight but you swap out captain america and bucky for spider-man and venom and you take mm. out iron man and replace him with carnage I'm and, see that would be so cool. And instead of them tossing the shield back and forth to each other, they're switching symbiote hosts back and forth. Oof. See, cool stuff. Just cool stuff. I'd be so down. Good stuff. Yeah, like I knew I knew you uh, Civil War would not be anywhere a near your list, but also like No, nah, it's cuz I think the airport one's better. I and see I agree, but like I also don't think it's better because like many things in Civil War, there's no Josh is a contrarian. Because Josh there's is no a contrarian. Actual stakes, though. Ugh, I hate, I hate Civil War so much. I can't hate it more now. I we, I remember. Uh, I think I talked about it on the pod. We watched it recently, and I was like, I still hate this. Wow. All right. <laughs> All right. What's your other Marvel one? Um, the Battle of New York at the end of Avengers One. Oh. 
I I don't know if I forgot about that one. I just dude, it's so good. I mean, it helps that it's the culmination of basically four. Is it four? Four, three, like three or four movies. Like the first time we've seen all of the Avengers on screen together, uh, and just let a just for that shot, that crank, that circle shot that became really so iconic of, of them getting back to basically back together in a corner, kind of in a corner, but cornered by the, by the, uh, Oh geez. What are they called? Chitari. Chitari. There it is. Um, the moments with, with Hulk, you know, that's my trick. I'm always angry. Ha ha ha. Um, hitting Thor, hitting, smashing the crap out of Loki. Like just, which is also dude, gratifying to see. They're so gratifying. Kind of seeing Hawkeye start to show that how useful he actually is. Um, just and like seeing Black Widow being super skilled. Like it's just it's a fantastic battle. Uh, the moment that that always piques my interest, and it's interesting seeing it through hindsight now. Uh, now that we've gotten the the, the the Loki show and all the stuff the stuff that's happened in the universe. There's a moment where uh, Thor, like, has Loki and makes him look at the city, that New York, that's being destroyed by the Chitauri. And he's like, is this what you wanted? Like, is it, do you think you can stop this from happening just by you being in power? Like, this isn't, you, and he's like, all he says is, I'm sorry. This isn't, like, there's nothing I can do. It's out of my hands, basically. So it's, it's I love it. Uh, it's First, the Avengers in general is, is a movie that holds up very well still to this day, um, and I think only gets better with time. I like with the first Avengers that they really just right off the bat were introducing the little tricks that they could do. Like I love when Iron Man shoots his repulsors at Cap Shield and they like mm -hmm. angle it. I'm going, ooh, that's clever. Uh, or they use Iron Man to give Hawkeye a lift, clench up Legolas, <laughs> like yep. Good team dynamic that was there. The only thing that beats the Avengers is Avengers Endgame. Come on now. Like, <laughs> like Yeah. That's, that's the fair. modern like if Lord of the Rings was the template before for large scale action set pieces, Endgame is the new template, I think, in terms of for better or for worse, CG heavy, but um just sheer scale scope as well as fitting it into the narrative though endgame endgame is the to me the new luke i am your father uh moment for movies of people remember where they were when they <laughs> see endgame where they were when avengers finally assembled but everything in that fight makes sense i love when um hawkeye has the gauntlet and Black Panther's just like, Clint, give it to me. After Hawkeye introduced himself in Civil War, and Black Panther's like, I don't care. Like, it's a little details like that. Gwyneth Paltrow shows up as rescue. Yay, I don't care. I mean, it's it's better than her showing up as glowy, glowy pepper pepper. <laughs> glowy, that's what she... glowy pepper pepper. Why does that's that sound like a wing it. sauce? <laughs> All that with the glowy, glowy pepper pepper. Like... <laughs> Okay. I mean, that's what she is in Iron Man Three. She's just like ah. You're not wrong. I mean, like, come on. She's making a so cold play. <laughs> Although yeah. I will say, I have one criticism about when everyone's coming into action and it looks cool. You get that side profile. Everyone running the camera. 
The question still to this day, what is Spider-Man swinging on? Like he swings into the fight and you're going, it's Flatland. What does he hold on to? Like, I don't get it. Um, but they have good continuity with Spider-Man tripping up the one guy and Ant-Man stepping on him. It's a Civil War callback and you get the nice little hug before Tony dies and we all celebrate. Um, you get the nice Doctor Strange stuff. Oh, damn. Because, you know, he's making a damn that was totally preventable. Um, and then, I don't know about you, but it was kind of funny when we saw Endgame the first time. The energy in my theater kind of went out a little bit when Captain Marvel showed up. Like, everyone's doing their thing. Yes. And then she comes to destroy the ship. We're like, oh, that's cool. And then she starts fighting Thanos and everyone just kind of loses interest pretty quick yeah, and then yeah, thanos uh, just hits her with the gauntlet and everyone's like yeah there we <laughs> so go that's a little well, mean but for, it's kind of a, true for a moment there it looks like she's just gonna come out after all this work and all this pain all this you know planning everything and she's just gonna come in and blank him and that's it and it was like don't do that don't 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 no don't do that like she just super seen it basically um, yeah, I was like, get out of, don't, 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 no, no, Ugh. but yeah, and then they have the, the, the great, uh, look, we have all these female superheroes moment. Yeah, which is cool, but all of them just happened to be by each other in that moment, like. It, it felt so fan servicey of like, hey, look, we do have female superheroes. Ha ha ha. See, and look, they're all working together. Ha ha ha. Like, it's, it's hard to be like, no, they didn't need that moment. Because it's a great moment. Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic moment in that whole sequence. But it does kind of feel very much like, ha, see, we, 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 uh, we, uh, have all of these different kinds of heroes. See, uh, uh which is uh, ironic uh, that like literally 45 minutes ago, you killed off one of your first female heroes <sighs> and then completely botched her movie and then oh. completely, and then, uh, dude, but whatever the end game fight, the end game fight, fantastic stuff. So you're just going to remember that for the rest of your life. And that's essentially just what you want from a final fight. It's a good. I don't know, end to the story for that first 10 years of Marvel, which is crazy to think. 10 plus years, 11 years when that came out. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll say, I don't know where Marvel goes from here, but it's going to be hard to get back to that level of excitement. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to take time, but it makes me curious. Like, okay, you have Endgame. How do you top that, if at all? But then again, Marvel has shown us, don't doubt them. So... I'm sure they'll think of something, but um, any other last-minute thoughts there, Josh? Nah, man. I mean, I, I think what's interesting is, like, just from us talking a little bit, I keep think, remembering other fights. Like, uh, the the final fight in Real Steel. Shout-out to Real Steel for being... A we might be getting we, a sequel, finally. Finally. Like, a movie that we didn't know, realize was going to be have that much heart. But, gosh dang, I love I love me some Did Real Steel. Did you see Steel. that in theaters? I might have actually. I, did. <laughs> I, have I know I that. did because my dad and I, I saw it with low expectations. We're like, that was good. Is, yeah, like, oh, this is going to be absolute garbage. But it ends up being like some, one of the best, honestly, to me, one of the best fight movies out there. Um, yeah. I've, I've learned to stop doubting Sean Levy a very long time ago. Like, I love Real Steel. Free Guy was surprisingly good. 
Now at the museum doesn't get talked about enough. I, I just enjoy Sean Levy. Um, but what are your favorite movie fights? It could be either one-on-one. They could be huge epic fights like Endgame was. Let us know in the comments below. We always like from you guys. And as always, if you like what you see and want to see more, you have two options now. You can either watch us on the YouTube channel or you can watch the full podcast on Spotify. We now have video podcasts on Spotify too. That's a new feature they just rolled out. So if you want to check us out on Spotify that way, you can absolutely do that. Or you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, or again on YouTube. And as always, stay sharp with you guys and gals.